Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fam, Friends, and Magic, a Magic the Gathering podcast brought to you by Swigoy Gaming. My name is Bill Grennan. Everyone calls me Brasky, and today I am joined by Conan Hawk, Eric Hawkins, and Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher. What's up, fam? How you doing? Wait, where's Caroline? I, oh, my God. Oh my we God. forgot Caroline. Wait, who didn't? Who forgot Caroline? Did we forget her? Where did we? Did, did we leave her at the airport? Where did Caroline go? <laughs> All right, guys, we got we got to put the podcast on hold. We have to go find Caroline for a second. BRB, yeah. We can't yeah. record this podcast without Caroline. In fact, no, we are going to attempt to record the podcast without uh, one of our one of our fearless co-hosts, and that is Caroline, who is not able to be here for this recording this week, but. Of course, we have sent a search party out. Uh, we have a candlelight vigil going on 24-7 at, per my request. And uh, we'll not stop until we get Caroline back on the podcast. But in the meantime, while we're committing so many resources into finding the Mighty Linguini, I also want to know how our week in magic has been. Sean, how was your week in magic? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it wasn't like super marvelous or anything, but I did play the MIQ I was qualified for. Uh, Eric and I both played the same deck. I uh, won't spoil how he did, but I think I played more. I think I played less matches than Eric, but took twice as long somehow. <laughs> so, <laughs> not 100% sure how many matches you played, but my matches took significantly longer than yours. I remember that. Yeah, I, I played uh, I played one more match than you did. Okay. But you also, I think I logged off and you were in your like third match or something like that. Yeah. There's a there was two different times where I had less than two minutes on my clock. So <laughs> yeah, so Eric and I both played Abzan Yorian, the eighty card. Yorian is your companion. Is that the yeah? yeah Yorian is your companion deck, uh, kind of pioneered by both our teammate Nick and other Twitter handled also known Nick, right? <laughs> both Nicks, huh? uh, but. Uh, uh, Right? Christoph Prince? Oh, is it Christoph? Yeah, K Prince. Sorry. I thought yeah. it was. I got Nick and K Prince confused for something. Anyway, K Prince <laughs> and Nick, our teammate, uh, kind of like high minded the stack. Abzan Yorian, it's like Doom Foretold, Gilded Goose, Golden Egg, some white, like either Omen of the Sun or uh, the Two Drop Charming Prince. Bunch of cool value cards plus Yorian, you know, super. No one's ever done it before. So. Cards that enter the battlefield and draw cards in your end. What? Get out. No, really. <laughs> yeah. So we both played it uh, on two different occasions. I had less than two minutes on my clock. Uh, unfortunately, lost both of them. But my matches took an extremely long amount of time because I played two mirrors, which both my opponent and I were very low on clock. And I went two and three, lost to Rogues, the mirror, and another Yorion deck. It's Eric, would you play against? So, like Sean said, I played the same thing, and I actually beat all my rogue opponents, which was, like, pretty sweet. Uh, I ended up losing in the mirror. Their mirror was, like, slightly better. Sean and I, at the time, were playing Omen of the Sun. They were playing uh, Charming Prince, which uh, seemed to be a little bit better in the mirror. Also, their draws were just, like, a slightly bit better. They had more Trail of Crumbs than I did in Game 1, and then Game 2, while I had more Trails like total played they had more like they got to use charming prince plus the white creature skyclave apparition uh to eat all of mine and then blink their like do like small blinks where i only had yorian to blink so they got me there and then our, our deck wasn't I, I don't i don't think it was like super well situated in the gruel matchup i think you needed like a specific draw and like you had good cards against the gruel deck but you need like a specific draw to beat the gruel deck and Without open deck lists, I didn't keep, like, good enough hands in game one. And then in games two and three, usually it was, like, I, I was, like, really close to stabilizing. And then, like, the, the henge came down or something like that and just, like, kind of got way too much value. So those are my three losses were two to the Gruul deck and one to the Mirror uh, that just, like, had slightly better cards in the Mirror. So why was it the fact that, that Sean's games took nine times as long as opposed to, uh, you know, Mr. Quick Click over here, uh, Eric Hawkins. Was that simply just play style or just the fact that, like, the games played out very differently? Um, I think I think it was just the games played out differently. My Rogue's opponents kind of played fast and loose, so, like, they weren't taking a ton of time. So, like, the only only match that took a long, long time was the Mirror. 
what yeah really weird right <laughs> um but uh yeah so it was just like you know my, my losses to the gruel decks were pretty quick and then my my rogues opponents just you know i i killed all their things and then they were out of stuff and they just conceded before i could like actually kill them but they were just like oh you have a trail of crumbs and a wicked wolf i believe that eventually you'll kill me <laughs> i was like yeah okay cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was a couple of games where I, I like for example the mirror both my opponent and I were like 44 life just because of foods being sacked to activate trailer crumbs. And the game just like, you see so many cards in the mirror. It's just like, there's only a couple of cards that like kind of mattered in the mirror. Skyclave Apparition being one of them. And like Wicked Wolf isn't really a card in the mirror just because like you have so much life to play with. And like Skyclave Apparition is a clean answer. Like there's just so many cards that don't matter in the mirror. And the few that do aren't even that great. So the mirror just takes forever. I think I had like 11 cards in my deck or something like that multiple times. Just like it's not so many cards. So looking back on it, I mean, let's dig into the MIQ a little bit. Look, looking back on it, was this the deck that you would want to play going into the MIQ knowing like how things played out? If not, what else would you have played? So... I think Eric and I were, like, very hand-in-hand at this. Literally, like, a day or two before the MIQ, we're, like, on the fence. We're, like, going back and forth a little bit. Him and I were both literally, like, we're just going to play Gruel. I don't really – neither of us have really played a lot of Standard. Brandon had played a lot of Gruel. But Nick came in. He was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. My Abzan deck is doing really well right now. So we both tried that out. And I like the Abzan deck feel a lot more than the Gruel deck. And I played the Gruel deck. I probably played five or six matches with it. Not a lot, but good God. Could I just, like, I don't know if it's, like, combat math's too difficult for me or, like, didn't have the luck of the Irish with me, but, like, I could not buy a win with the girl deck. Where, like, the Abzan Yoria deck, granted, took me an hour, you know, it felt like, but I was winning with the Abzan Yoria deck, but I could not say that with the girl deck. So, uh, going back, probably would have played girl, I guess, but <laughs> the Yoria deck just felt like the better choice, unfortunately. I think I chose wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I would have played Gruul, um, but I had... So, one of the things I didn't mention is I actually played the... I qualified for the Red Bull event, and it started at 5 a.m. our time, or central time. And so I, I got up, and I was going to play that, and I did play one round. And I think had I tried a different Gruul deck than the one that I had that I, I probably would have ended up playing Gruul in the in the MIQ. And the I was like kind of torn if I was looking at all the lists that were coming out for the MPL Rivals week. And uh, a lot of the MPL and Rivals registered Stonecoil Serpent, and I chose one of those decks. And what ended up happening was Glass Casket just destroys... Stone Coil Serpent, you, you like so like they glass casket your Stone Soak or Stone Coil Serpent. They blink it later with Yorion, get another creature, so they get like a ton of value that way. And I was like, this Gruel deck's awful. Like I just like couldn't like they, I was just getting beat up by Glass Casket. They seem to be a lot of those. And I was like, maybe I'll play Rogues. But I think had I tried like Sato's list, or had I tried um, maybe Brandon's list, or even tried I think it was Juza's list, then I would have probably ended up playing it in the MIQ. But with, but because of like the the you know basically the bad taste that I had in my mouth from the Red Bull in the in the beginning of the day, I ended up playing the Yorion deck. Yeah, so Brandon being a teammate of ours actually dated the MIQ playing girl, and I was playing his list, and I personally didn't like it very much. But what was the main difference? He wasn't playing Stone Cold Serpent. Was he playing more of what? Yeah, he like... he, he personally said he wasn't gonna play Poop Snake. <laughs> <laughs> yes we all yes we all know poop snake yeah we're all yeah, yeah. yeah. His, his list is interesting i i think i mean there's not like a lot you can do with the gruel deck but i think his list did like cut some number of i believe he cut num some number of ooze and then the the snake and was playing i i can't I, was he playing rimrock knights or robbers yeah he was he was playing rimrock Knight, i'm pretty sure let me uh i yeah. have like sitting right here um, but I'm fairly, I'm pretty sure he was playing Rimrock Knight because I remember him like saying he Rimrock Knighted plus Ember cleaved in the same turn or something like that. So yeah, his his definitely some seemed like it was like more burst damagey. Yeah, for um, Rimrock Knight in the main deck. And I think that's like that says something a lot about the format uh, in general. 
is you know you get these mi or mpl players and like uh was it sifka and brad nelson were playing uh we're playing stone coil serpent and then you know juzo was saying that stone coil serpent's basically unplayable and then the japanese team came in uh sato was like not playing those and then was playing some like kind of weird sideboard cards and like almost seemed like to be kind of like next leveling already with the uh the acroan war in the sideboard Acroan War being like really good in the mirror match, uh, just like other good like big creature decks, also pretty good against Wicked Wolf because Gruel doesn't have a good way to deal with that. So it's it's kind of cool that even inside of just looking at Gruel, there was like a bunch of different ways to build it, and kind of speaks to the fact that like I don't think that people have really figured out how to build the the decks that we already know are good, right? Like <laughs> you know like the the Gruel deck is good, the Rogues deck is good. There. The Yorion deck kind of suffered this weekend, but it's like, maybe that's misbuilt too, you know? Like, maybe, maybe you know, there's just, like, decks that are not built correctly yet. Yeah, I think that's something that is definitely of note of what I've been seeing. I think something we'll probably touch on a little bit later is, you know, in, in the impressions of the format and impressions of how standard are going. You know, how the format has evolved ever since the, uh, the great banning of 2020 which let's talk about it. it's like great banning number 27 of 2020 but still <laughs> like that's that's something that i've noticed is that i'm seeing more and more nuanced discussion of the decks of the format as opposed to how can we possibly deal with this oppressive thing which is kind of the other part that goes along with it as well and of course we saw that uh that kind of play out in the miq both with uh, our fearless captain Tom Locke, Brandon Downs, who made day two of the MIQ. So shout out to him for that as well. And then, of course, we've seen other uh, folks in the squid, on the Swigoy team uh, do great as well when we see uh, you know, our, our own co-host, Caroline Cavanaugh, make top eight of the Venus Mercury League, as well as our other teammate, Tanya Russell, also make top eight in the Venus Mercury League as well. So we've We seen could have a Swigoy v. Swigoy finals if things like Oh my goodness, Brassy, that, that would be nuts. We're getting swag with this. Swagoy V Swagoy VML. So many Vs, we don't know what to do with them, but we do know there's going to be cards slinging left and right. Could you imagine all right, if it's Tanya versus Caroline? Like, what what are we going to do? Like, how, how can we? I mean, this is like a Sophie's Choice situation. We cannot choose between teammates when this happens. Yeah, it's a it's a tough call. I think it would come down to deck choice, but I mean, I think I have to root for Caroline because she's on the podcast. But Tanya right. Tanya's great too. So either one winning, if they, I guess if they make it to the finals, it's a win either way for Stragoy. So <laughs> I'll cheer for the person that has less styles and sleeves on their cards. Oh, well, Caroline's oh, definitely out there. Caroline, jeez, Caroline Eric. bribed herself on her uh, card <laughs> styles. Yeah, we just so I many. I love it. I'm going to I'm going to go for the person who has the most card styles then. Cuz I'm a I'm a foils person myself. Yeah. So. I mean, it's we could vote we I mean, if we're going to vote on swag, that's one thing. For me, I mean, listen, I think I think both of these players know. In fact, they probably don't know. But if they're going to listen to this podcast, which I recommend they do, is that obviously one of them should play Grixis. And then they will know that even though they lose, they'll have one person all the way at the what? back cheering them on with a sign, just being like, Yay, you played Grixis! <laughs> I, I hate great. to break it to you, Brasky. Yeah? Nobody registered Grixis, and their decks are locked in. So they can't change them anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, they play now... each other in the finals, and they both have to play Grixis. <laughs> <laughs> Only which, one can come out on top. Which brings me can, that brings me to the next game. point of this podcast, which I'm now calling an audible. But now we're going to spend 30 minutes on the reasons why we need to petition the VML Rules Committee to allow Grixis only finals. That's the that's the thing I'm going to be jumping in on is is that discussion. So I hope we're all ready for the next 30 minutes to 7 hours on that discussion, which should be it's fantastic. It's like the 1700s when you have uh solo combat, but instead of like spears or something you have to play a crappy 75 of Grixis. You there, I challenge you to a duel. Grixis at dawn. Yeah. <laughs> Sean was saying that the Yorion mirrors took forever, but since Grixis has literally no win conditions, I'm not sure anyone wins. Yeah, that's my, you know, that's like the, uh, you know, the where are my pants decks and that kind of thing. Like, oops, you know, oops, all spells, that kind of thing. That's yeah. what, that's what I do when I play Grixis is the, huh, uh, no win condition. <laughs> Turns out animating Croaks at seven times is sometimes good enough. Who would have Who was that? Was it Tim that was playing the... LSV version of uh, of rogues and then boarded out both the creatures 
and then their opponent just uh the necromentia the the shark typhoons and they had no way to win the game anymore <laughs> i don't remember it was him but yeah i remember someone telling us that story yeah. <laughs> yeah their typhoons necromentia yeah Jeez. well hopefully we'll see more more and more grixis no win condition played in the coming uh, days and weeks, as we still keep an eye on all the things that are happening around in the competitive magic sense, especially in the world of Standard and beyond, which is why we always like to have a little news section to talk about the upcoming events that are happening and to give us the breakdown of all the upcoming events that you can take a look at and participate in yourself. We're going to shoot it over to Conan Hawk to give us the rundown. Hey, everybody. We have a couple of Channel Fireball events almost on this weekend. Uh, one of them is on this weekend. The other one is not. The CFB Clash Qualifiers are back. One of them, or this is number three. This one is for or timed for Asia Pacific. So it is at actually 7 p.m. Central Time in on Friday, which roughly I believe is 9 a.m. in Japan uh, on Saturday. So that's like kind of how that works out. So it'll be a Friday Saturday tournament rather than a Saturday Sunday tournament. So make sure you check that out before you before you sign up and expect it to be on Saturday. It's actually on Friday. Then on actual Saturday, there's the CFP Pro event or CFB Pro event. Uh, you have to be one of their CFB Pro members, and it plays single limb all the way to top eight. You can win uh, a bunch of store credit on that, and if you beat the person in the finals, then you win even more store credit. On Sunday, uh, this one you can only watch unless you've already qualified, but it, it is notable anyway. Uh, there is a Red Bull Untapped 2020 World Finals. Uh, and the format is both historic and standard, so that'd be really cool to watch. And then finally, the big one on Arena is the Arena Open, where you can win up to $2,000. And that's kind of what we've been talking about a little bit for this weekend, or we will be talking about a little bit for this weekend. A couple of quick changes. The last one was Saturday was only best of one. Now you can do best of one or best of three. And that will be starting at 8 a.m. Pacific time. So that would be 10 p or 10 a.m. my time. Or if you live out on the East Coast, that's 11 a.m. your time. If you choose the best of one route, you get seven wins or three losses, whichever one comes first. And if you get your seven wins, you'll qualify for day two. And then if you don't get seven wins, you'll get a certain amount of gems depending on how many wins you did get. And then if you choose the best of three route, you have to go 4-0 and in order to qualify for day two. Or if you do not go 4-0, and say you go 3-1, and you actually get uh, 5,000 gems, which I believe is more than an entry fee. I believe the entry fee is, yep, it says it right here, 4,000 gems or, or 20,000 gold. So if you go 3-1, and you can run it back, and you have a couple or 1,000 extra gems uh, as well. So it's kind of like a little give and take, which one you would like better, which one you feel more confident in. Uh, I know me personally, I'll be trying for the the best of three, but I know a lot of people are doing the best of one. And then if you make day two, then that'll be on Sunday, uh, November 1st. And that starts at 8 a.m. my time, 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. on the East Coast. And that is only best of three standard constructed. And you can go either seven wins or two losses, whichever happens first. And you are looking to get either six or seven wins. That gets you the money. That is a... $2,000 to seven wins, $1,000 to six wins, and five wins gets you 20,000 gems, but also seven, six, and five wins gets you a Zendikar Rising Qualifier Weekend Eligibility, so you get to skip the ladder. So yeah, really, really cool stuff this weekend for sure. So that's kind of interesting. I mean, let's kind of break down day one, day two a little bit for that, is that uh, in the first spot, you get the choice between best of one and best of three, but also in best of three, you get to you as you said you get to run it back if you get to three wins you can you can attempt again just kind of free roll it uh and go with a, another attempt that way now a lot of people we've seen uh are kind of quote unquote like i guess for lack of a better word used to doing that day one seven and two try to make it there and see what you can do on that one but getting four wins in best of three is is an interesting prospect in something i think that is there to appease of the uh the the magic boomers such as you two uh, to sit out there and, and attempt that one. As you said, Eric, that's the one that you're going to attempt and play. How do you feel about that change and shift, especially knowing that getting three wins will allow you to, to buy back in? I actually like it a lot. Uh, so one of the one of our tens of listeners happens to be Ryan MTG, and they actually kind of broke it down, which is super nice of them. Basically, long story short, I'm not going to read all the data. Long story short, if you want to just qualify, 
it is more likely that you qualify through best of one. It's easy. It's the easier route. Uh, it has the better EV. However, you know you you don't get the uh, you don't get to run it back. And I think that if you are confident enough in your abilities to get to three in one, granted you have to go three in a row, right? Uh, then I think if you get two shots at best of three because the EV is pretty uh, decently close, I think your your EV is actually more likely in best of three. Also, I just I, I tend to like best of three better than best of one, and I, I think no matter what comes out of it, I think just giving people the option is just great. Like, why not give them the option? Yeah, for sure. I mean, <clears throat> I I kind of like where you go with this. the The option part I think is really awesome. Like, let's just say. I, I I can't think of a deck that is a Charbelcher-like deck that will be playable this weekend. Um, but in formats like this where you're basically just trying to, like, spin for your golden ticket, right? I mean, this is kind of what it is, a 7-2 and two or a 4-0. and oh. Like, your chances of winning is you know, pretty good, pretty reasonable. But, like, the best of one is, like, really profitable if you can just lock in once and then like you know charbelcher your like charbelcher in quotes your way to day two is pretty nice but i kind of am with eric where i like best of three better like going three and one as long as you start off three oh you're definitely guaranteed your buyback in which is really nice also like i played a lot of you know back in the day called dailies where you would four oh a daily and uh, three one a daily bought you back in four zero and got your deckless published plus a bunch of stuff. Now they have the now you just five zero a daily like they have them. So I mean, all of us here can five zero a daily. It's not that hard. So four zeroing is definitely not difficult. I mean, I guess not difficult isn't the right word, but it's it's achievable. It's not like going nine and zero or anything like that at a grand prix. Four and zero seems perfectly achievable. I've won four in a row on the ladder multiple times. This is all you have to do. It's not that bad. Back in my day, we used to we used to play we used to play four O's on the daily, and then <laughs> and then if that didn't work out, well, you you were you were sorry out of luck. That's what happened. And we played on uh, we played on an interface that was developed in Windows ninety five. It's called Magic the Gathering Online. In fact, it still exists to this day, according to some. It hasn't, it hasn't been updated since 1995. So. Yes. <laughs> the unfortunate thing is is you can't pick up the spare, uh, which is what we, we termed going losing the first of your daily matches and then going 3-0 in the daily. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you cannot pick you, up the spare. You put rally back, yes. But that's kind of an important point. Let's not skip yeah. on the fact, like, this is the best of three. Yeah, it, it looks like, I can understand why a lot of folks that are used to best of three will enjoy the best of three. But at the same time, I think you go and play this, you lose once, that's a feels bad if you don't get to, if you don't get the three wins. Yeah. It, yeah I think it's funny that, if you go 0-1, boy, you're not very excited. But if you go 3-0 and then 3-1, you're less not excited, right? Like, you're still not <laughs> excited, but like, oh, I guess I get to try again, but... <laughs> you made a thousand gems. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, I don't know. Like, I, I would expect more people... I would be... If they released the data, which I think would be really interesting, on what got entered more more frequently... I would expect more people to play best of three than best of one. But I know that there are a lot of people out there who do like best of one a lot better. See, I, I would think I would even split that differently. I would say, I think more people are going to play best of one, really? but I think okay. we'll get, I think there will be more qualifications out of best of three. I, I think okay. that um, they, they talked about the reasoning behind best of one on Saturdays before was that they have more best of one players overall on MTG arena. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is just like a the, the the best of three option is a nod to the to the older player the the mm -hmm. people that came from tournament events and stuff like that. And I think the reason that they did it before wasn't just because that the there was more best of one players, but I think the best of one players might actually avoid a tournament scene. But now that they give them the option to do the best of one, that they might actually jump into the tournament. It's kind of interesting. I I, I would I, that would be really cool to see the numbers it, like. I, I don't know who's right on the, is it best of three or best of one, but I would definitely like to know. Yeah, I mean, especially with you being forced, I guess it's best of three on day two, or you don't get to choose on day two. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, 
I would think in in my mind, if I was coming into this tournament cold and I had to play best of three on day two, I would also want to play best of three on day one because I'm probably just going to play the same deck on both days just because, like, it's close deck list. It doesn't really matter. So, I mean, that's how I would look at it. But, I mean, maybe there's people yeah. who don't see it that way. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see one way or another what that's, what that's going to be like and when that happens. And, of course, you know, when we get to that point to see what decks people are playing and whether or not – uh, folks are jumping into best of one or best of three. The one thing we do know is that we're going to be at least continuing to unpack the standard format, which ever since we've had uh, a, you know, a big swath of bannings that includes a little thing called Omnath uh, that is now no longer in the standard format, uh, we, we've kind of seen a, a renewed standard in a lot of ways. And whether or not that is for the better, whether or not it's for the worse, whether or not it's just for the different, uh, there's a lot of opinions that kind of go along with where standard is at right now, how people feel about it, and whether or not they want to play it. Uh, and so I, I will say this. I, the discussion that I've seen happen on this podcast for this episode is a lot more intensive than it has been for the last three episodes where it was, yep, well, it's this and what beats this. Now there's a little bit more nuance to at least like, well, we think we know what the best deck is, but we don't know what the build of the best deck is or any of that kind of stuff. And so that's what I kind of what we want to unpack for kind of this other topic we want to discuss is just our impressions of standard as it stands now, especially now that we've had an opportunity to dig our toes into the competitive side of the format uh, this past weekend and going into this weekend. And so that's what I kind of uh, what we want to talk about in that realm. So Conrad, I want to start with you. What, what's been your impressions of of the post-ban standard, where it stands now, and and what you think are the decks to beat and why. Uh, yeah, so I think my impressions of the standard format, and my notes are kind of written poorly, uh, so I'm going to actually start where at the bottom of my notes. Interaction. I, I think that is the biggest biggest thing that has changed in the format, and I think that's, that is the best part of the new standard format. So the, the format before, you look at a card, something like Murderous Rider, and that card was kind of laughably bad because of just how the format was going. Everybody was just trying to get to their, you know, very large ramp spell and cast it. And then pinpoint removal was just really, really poor after that happened, right? Even Murderous Rider killing something like a Lotus Cobra didn't really matter. They probably already got value out of it. And so I, I think that because you're starting to see this interaction mattering... You're going to see a lot of different decks kind of like ebb and flow on how good they are. Uh, for instance, like right now, I think that we're looking at a format of like Rogues. We're looking at a format of Gruul. Those are like the top two decks of the format. And everything's going to kind of be based around that. So for instance, uh, we saw this weekend that there's good there's decks that are good against Rogues. Like for instance, the Red Black, uh, the Rakdos uh, midrange deck, right, is very good against Rogues, the Krosa deck. And... Their interaction is set up that, like, they have Krosa and they have these graveyard threats, like Ox of Agonis. And uh, with rogues like Milling and doing all that stuff, you can attack rogues by getting more value out of the things in your graveyard. And I, I, that, that's, like, one form of interaction, right? They also have, like, very good spells to kill the rogue creatures. And then now you have this Gruul that come in, and we might actually see, like, something like Black Green Adventures come back because... Black Green Adventures has a lot of good removal for the Gruul creatures, and they can play like a pretty good uh, version of like a control deck or like a rock deck. Sean's favorite style of deck, Blue White Control, also might have a spot in the format because they are very good at like beating up Gruul creatures. If you register something like Four Shatter the Skies, you're going to have a decent shot at beating something like Gruul. So I, I think that's what it all comes down to me, uh, like looking at this format and like my impression of the format is like, you actually now get to have good interaction cards based on whatever's at the top of the format. So if you if rogues are milling you, you can play things out of your graveyard to gain card advantage there. All of their creatures are pretty small, so you could play good like black removal in the form of can't remember the name right now, but it's like one black destroy target small creature. Or you can even play like Skyclave Apparition to beat up on rogues there, or maybe like destroy a flyer. There's like a lot of really good things there. And then, you know, if you want to beat up on Gruul, you can play more Shatter the Skies. And I think it's really cool that way. And then, like I said, it's like, if maybe Gruul gets beat up by these, like, the Shatter the Skies decks, maybe there's something that beats up on the Shatter the Skies decks. Maybe we're back to Rogues, you know, being good. Or maybe the Krosa deck's good against those. So it's just going to, I hope it's getting to the point where you're just shifting the cards in your deck to beat the deck that you expect more often. 
and that's like when it, that's when standard to me gets really fun is when you're you're trying to find the next level of 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 gameplay right it's like right now rogues is tier zero gruel is tier zero or like they're like the starting point and then i guess it'd be like tier one not tier zero because tier zero means there's like only one deck and then you can like play the tier two deck to like beat those decks so it's kind of cool you know sean I, I hear Eric talk about uh, his breakdown of standard format. And it, for one thing, it's making, it's like piquing my interest that I want to jump back into it. It's like one of those things is like, okay, all right. I was a little bit burnt out a little bit by, by the design of standard, by how the power level of standard was going. I wasn't enjoying the decks I was playing or the decks I was running up against. Uh, so I, I took a step back. And so I've been playing things like commander. I've been enjoying the game. I've been enjoying the game in my own way. But now that I hear Eric talk about it, now I'm starting to kind of, I'm starting to feel that like, okay, maybe this is a time where I can go explore Saren again and get back into it. That said, there's been there's been a lot to deal with of of the main constructed format, both at standard and historic over the past few months, if not couple of years, that I, I know I've been feeling a little bit burnt out on the format for various different reasons. And I, I want to get your input because like you participated in the MIQ this past weekend uh, and, you know, did did all right with it. But at the same time, uh, how are you feeling about the standard format, even in a post-ban world? Yeah, I mean, kind of, I know I've been, you know, bringing it up the last couple of weeks. I haven't really been playing a lot of Magic, but this last week I spent some time playing some Magic, and honestly, this is the best Magic's felt for me in a while. Granted, this isn't, like, when I envision Magic, this isn't what I'm super excited about, but this is the best it's felt to me in a while. Kind of going off what Eric said, when a deck like Gruul or Mono Red is near the top of the format, which I think we have right now. We have, like, you know, there's a couple decks, Rogues, but statistically, didn't Gruul do the best over the weekend, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when a deck like Gruul or Mono Red is the best deck in a format, it makes me feel like it's not a solved format yet. Um, those decks are usually taking advantage of people misbuilding their decks, which Eric and I already admitted we did with our Abzan Yorion deck. I think... In our in the example I have, there is almost no reason to play Omen of the Sun over Charming Prince. Charming Prince is better against the Low Mage's Domination, which, by the way, for those of you at home, I don't know if you know this, but if they mind control your creature, you can Charming Prince it back because Charming Prince says creature you own doesn't say creature you control. So you can uh, Charming Prince a creature that's been Low Mage Domination. So while it ever came up with me, I know it has come up for other people on our team. So already we're talking about misbuilding there. So in that small sample size, I think it makes me feel like the format just isn't solved yet. Eric touched on Rogues possibly being the best deck. The Rogues deck, we've seen so many various. We've seen Shark Typhoons, no Shark Typhoons, more counter magic, more creatures. There's all kinds of different varieties of these Rogue decks. Some are control decks, some are aggro decks. Everything's all over the map. So I think this is a really cool time for experimenting to find out what is actually the best deck. And that makes me excited. Like maybe in two weeks, the format does start to settle down. And like Eric said, maybe blue white's the best. Granted, I'm not really big on control decks recently, but maybe I'll give it a shot. But right now, standard, I think, is the best it's been in a while, which is like kind of weird to say just because like we needed to go through what three waves of bannings to get there but as much crap as we give wizards like they're doing their best job like this is what they want and i think this is a fairly healthy standard at this point we saw multiple decks being represented granted like rogues was the most popular deck over the weekend right yeah. like deck wise so I, I think it's getting played more often just because it has a alternate win condition of just randomly milling your opponent out sometimes and also being a control deck where a lot of players lean towards control decks just because you have more agency in your game. But I think the format is not quite solved yet. People need to figure out what their decks need to look like. And once we do that, standard's going to be super awesome. Maybe it's another week or two. Maybe it's solved by the MIQ or the arena open this weekend. Maybe Thursday, like someone comes out with, you know, the busted deck or something. I don't know, but... I think it's a really awesome opportunity to be playing standard right now. And actually I'll be playing a little bit of standard in the next yeah. few days, at least before the arena open. Hopefully I get to play it. I mean, there's a possibility I have to work on Saturday, unfortunately, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not very excited about that. We'll see, but I do want to play on the Saturday if possible. Yeah. I was going to say, so one of the things that changed, um, I, I should have brought this up too, is that like 
for the longest time we didn't have the the archetypes being represented very well, right? We we had Omnath and Uro, and if you were the aggro deck, if you were the mono red deck, how are you supposed to beat cards like that, right? The the downside of ramp has always been that while you're ramping, the aggro decks are killing you. And they will kill you more often than not, right? But then when you when you had Uro and when you had Omnath, the aggro decks just couldn't deal enough damage. And now that they're gone, we actually get to see all of the archetypes doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? If you are just the traditional, like there's the team of ramp deck that showed up to the MPL rival split, it's like those decks were dying to the gruel decks, right? Just like they're supposed to. They were dying to the Temple Rogue deck, just like they're supposed to. But the te the team or ramp deck was beating up on like the slower other mid range decks because the other mid range decks weren't killing them and they got to do their huge Ugins or or teamer uh, or teamer ultimatums and stuff like that. So like, I think it's been a very long time, and this is kind of going to you know you're saying like Magic's been in the best spot it's been in a long time. It's because all the all the archetypes actually get to show off. This is what I'm good at. I'm I you know. If I'm coming in and everyone's playing Team of Ramp and I show up with Mono Red, I'm gonna just annihilate everyone. Mm -hmm. And you know, similarly, if the if the Team of Ramp person comes in and everyone's playing Wicked Wolf, the Team of Ramp player is gonna annihilate everyone. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's that's really really cool. And I think that's just gonna be the challenge this weekend: is what deck is gonna be the deck to choose to beat up what people bring? Is this something that you think, from a design philosophy standpoint, has been? for lack of a better word, missing in the philosophy is the fact that all so many archetypes need a way to assert their identity and who they are, as opposed to having one or two big, splashy, flashy cards that do amazing stuff, but that amazing stuff kind of detracts from what the rest of the archetypes can do. That statement right there, Brasky, is why magic has been so medium since <laughs> War of the Spark, all right? Granted, War of the Spark wasn't the evil villain everyone paints it out to be. Granted, Narset Teferi, like, pretty egregious. But Uro being printed in Throne of Eldraine, Omnath being printed in Zendikar Rising, start to blur the lines of what these creatures should be doing. They've banned creatures in the past. Rogue Refiner, that came into play, gained three life, drew a card, and then also made three energy. They banned it once before. Why would they think it's not going to get banned a second time? I don't know. This would also put a land into play. <laughs> so, like, when cards start to blur the lines, which is what a good example of what you just said, this is where decks like Mono Red start to become irrelevant. When I start a 20 life, your Lightning Strike means a lot more. But when I start the game at 29 life, Lightning Strike means a whole lot less uh, against me, right? So... The, the random creatures just gaining the absurd amounts of life, drawing me cards, making mana flood, not becoming an issue. Like, the game of Magic starts to lose its sense of direction, I feel like, where, like, years ago, they never really... I, I felt like they didn't have this issue until they started trying to push the boundaries. We've harped on it over and over again, Uro being the first one, but cards that just give you so much agency so far into the game are what is not great for magic and we're seeing that with Earl, Omnath and who knows what's next. Yeah. One of the things I was going to bring up is that like that is one of my concerns in this format is that outside of like the Rogues deck, uh the Rogues deck doesn't really have like a like if I asked you what was the bet like what is the Rogues deck's game plan, right? There's multiples, right? You want to you want to mill your opponent, you want to deal combat damage. And you want to like control the game, right? There's there's a bunch of things that the rogue deck is doing, but if I ask you what is the gruel deck doing, it's getting to a point of either playing cleave or henge, right? That is really what it's doing. Yeah, it's attacking you, it's trying to kill you, but how do they really finish off the game? And then same with the Yorion decks, like like what are the Yorion decks really trying to do? And it's like, well, it's in the name, right? It's just trying to cast Yorion. It's set it's setting up a lot of stuff to like get a huge Yorion turn and just like like shut the game out completely, right? And that is my concern for the format, is that if those decks don't have those cards, like if they don't have Cleave, they don't have Henge, really what are they doing? And that might be a problem, but it might also not be a problem. It might be a problem in the fact that, like, if you're going to play an aggro deck, you might have to have Cleave in your deck. If you're going to play green, you might have to have Henge in your deck, right? 
if you want to play mid-range, you might have to have Yorion in your deck, right? Like, they're, they're, you might have to just start with those cards. And I think that might make this the format a little stale to some players after a little while. And my hope is, is that with, like, the, the... I mean, we are in the smallest part of Standard, right? Like, this is the least amount of sets that will be in Standard. And maybe it's just that we need Cleave or Henge or Yorion until more cards come in. But, uh, like, for right now, I mean... That's a that's a small complaint for right now and more of a worry for later. If we get another set or maybe two more sets and you're still like, well, if you're an aggro deck, you have to play Cleave, there might be an issue, right? Like maybe then you need to like start looking at the cards you're printing and being like, maybe we should make a good aggressive creature at cheap cost because what happens when Hen or Cleave leaves? Okay, so I, I, I'm following your statement, Eric. I promise you I am. I wonder <laughs> if this is this issue is being exacerbated by just the sheer amount of magic we're getting, right? Let's look at magic three years ago. Mo let's just take, I'm going to, modern is the format I have the most experience with. It's my love child, right? Every blue deck, Snapcaster Mage. That's what they do. Every red deck, Lightning Bolt. That's what they do. Green deck, Tarmogoyf, right? Like, yeah. I think it, it, it's tough because, like, all of these well, archetypes have to have these color cards, but, like, maybe it just shouldn't be that way in standard. I don't know. Well, but, I mean, I think the, the difference here is is that, like, yes, every red deck has Lightning Bolt in Modern, mm -hmm. but it's not what they're going towards. Sure. Right? Like, Jun uses Lightning Bolt as a removal spell. Burn uses Lightning Bolt as a burn spell, right? Like, they're, they're, it uses, like, different things. But it's not like the game is going towards, like, I need to find Lightning Bolt to win the game, or mm -hmm. I need to find Snapcaster to win the game. They're just tools, right? They're very good tools. Sure. It would be more like if every blue deck, mm, maybe that's a bad one. Like, yeah, <laughs> like every blue deck, say it's like every blue deck needs Jace the Mind Sculptor to win the game. Okay, sure. Right? And it's like, well, so I'm playing a blue deck. I have to have Jace the Mind Sculptor. It's my win condition. Now let's put things around it. That's kind of what I mean with like Yorion, right? Is like, if you need mid range, like we have green white mid range, which is Yorion. We have Abzan mid range, which is Yorion. We have. Esper mid-range, which is Yorion. We have blue-white mid-range, which is Yorion. And they all are playing, like, come-into-play abilities off of permanence because they need to play Yorion because Yorion's the way to win the mid-range mirror, mm -hmm. right? And, like, it would be different if it was, like, to say, like, if you're going to play white, you should play Glass Casket, right? It, that's just a tool. Yorion is, like, is the setup. It's the big finish. So, like, I think if it was, like, modern, it would be, like, if you're playing green, you have to play Primeval Titan. So, why is this format that you just you just explained to me in vivid detail, which I appreciate, why is this better than Cobblade, which was, by the way, <laughs> Face of Mind Sculptor, Squadron Hawk, and Delver, that's all you did, and Infect, which were every green deck had Arborel, or uh, Blighted Agent, or Primeval Titan. And why are these formats different? Explain a little bit, would you? Yeah, uh, I, I think the biggest difference is that it, it might come to that, that that there's not a lot of difference, but for right now, I think it's that you can you can find other avenues to 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 go down, sure. right? With Cobblade and and like the Infect decks, it was like the like if you if you want to play this format, you have to like here's the Cobblade deck. Mm -hmm. If you absolutely don't want to play the Cobblade deck, I guess there's Infect, right? Here it's like you don't want to play Rogues. All right, maybe there's Gruul. You don't want to play Gruul? All right, you can play one of these Yorion decks. You know, you don't want to play Yorion? Well, here's some fringe decks that also did well this weekend, right? And I, I think that's the big thing right now. And also, like you said, like you said, the decks aren't necessarily built super well. And even like, even then, so like maybe, maybe there's another fringe deck, but even like if you look at Rek Rakdos, Rakdos had a decent Gruul matchup and an incredible Rogues matchup. Mm -hmm. So maybe, like, you know, you could also play that. Where sure. I, I think that was the big thing. It's like, if you want to bring up, like, the Cobblade thing, it's like, I don't think that there was another deck that you should be playing. Mm -hmm. You should have just been playing Cobblade. You know, something that is another thought that I had this past week when I was thinking about the formats and people's opinions of it and all of that kind of stuff is is also the fact, you know, Sean, you, you talk about the, the modern days of yore, uh, as it were, with how you were, with how with how the meta was and the type of decks that you could play and all of that. And then I also think about the, the state of standard as it's been over the past two years or so and how that's been. 
And the thought that I had that crossed my mind is, is also something that plays into it is the times that we currently live in and the fact mm-hmm. that paper magic uh, comes, comes harder to go to come by, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot more difficult to play right now because of, because of the pandemic and everything that goes along about it. So would people be as, I guess the, the thought that I had would be, would people be as burnt out of, of standard or be analyzing as, as toughly and thoroughly the standard format as they are now, or would they at the very least uh, be not as harsh or at least have something else to go to if there was more paper magic being able to be played? Yeah, that's kind of the point I was a little touching on a little bit earlier when I said, is this exacerbated by the fact of how much data we're getting? People play arena like it's their job. That's just what some people do. That's totally fine. But we get so much data from deck lists. We get percentages. We get matchups. Like We get everything. That's great. But like paper magic is such, it feels like it's the same game of magic, but it's not the same game, right? Like, I will go to a tournament when I know for a fact that Hogag is the best deck. And, like, I will not mind playing Hogag. Yeah, I'm going to get destroyed by Hogag every once in a while, but I will enjoy it. But God forbid you make me play 17 Hogag mirrors on Arena, I will be very upset. Like, on paper, I don't have a problem doing that. I've played the mirror three hours in a row, you know, multiple times on paper. But I just can't do it on Arena. I think that's one of the main differences here. If we did it, if COVID wasn't a thing right now, like, I would be totally excited even when Omnath was legal, when Uro was legal. I loved playing Paper Magic. I think the arena is one of the bigger factors at play here that we're just not taking into effect, maybe. Or maybe it's just, like, a a subliminal thing where it's just, that's just how it is now. Arena just makes everyone, we get so much data because people are playing Arena, where if it was just on paper... No one plays paper magic for, I mean, how many matches a match do you you play on arena on a day? 30, 40 matches a day sometimes? Well, I think that's like another big thing, right? It's like you kind of hit there. I I remember a long time ago talking to Jerry and was like, I want to step up my game. What's the next thing? And he's like, what do you do now? And I was like, well, I usually go to the LGS. And by the way, I don't want anybody to stop going. Well, currently, I hope you're not going (laughs) to your LGS, but... Um, still supporting but, I mean, it, but maybe not going to it. Yeah, but it's like if if you are, you know, like once say everything was normal, right, as normal as it could be, um, you know, at the time I could go to my LGS every every day and play a tournament, right? What happens at your tournaments at your LGS? You play four rounds, right, and you get some prizes. How long does that take you? It takes you about four hours. Yeah. How many matches of Magic could you play in four hours on Arena? At my pace, that, at my pace, still probably four. <laughs> yeah, it's Gloria a, yeah. Two. yeah. So, that, like, I mean, see, that's that the crazy the thing, though, is I'm playing Gruel. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the point, right? Mm-hmm. Is that if you come home and you play Arena or you play Magic Online, that four hours could be, you know, 10, 15, whatever, 20 matches or something crazy, right? And, like, that's like, and then you're just getting so much more Magic. The other thing I think that, like, I think, uh, Bill, you were kind of leaning towards is that we don't get to really do anything else, right? How was, like, what was the best thing about my morning before COVID? It was like, I went to play basketball basically three, or actually three times a week, right? I got to, like, just turn off my brain from magic, you know, by going to the gym and hanging out with different people that literally have no clue what magic was. And then, you know, playing basketball and stuff like that. And then now I can't go to the gym, so then... I basically just like come here into my computer room and you know uh currently sean and i've been playing this game called genshin uh but you know it's like that kind of takes my mind off of it but to be honest like it's mostly through sugoi's discard which is discord which is also about magic <laughs> you know that's the the other thing you you mentioned about that as well is i i think the other thing aside from the paper element of it is also the human element of yeah. it at the yeah. same time you know, I, I've talked a little bit about the fact that I haven't played as much arena, but I've actually like actually jumped full bore into commander. And even though I'm playing commander, quote unquote, virtually, I'm playing it through spell table. I literally have a stack of books on my table that goes like up to <laughs> the top of my monitors. And I log my I like lodge my my webcam pointing downward uh, at the table that way. I'll go and I'll log in and I'll play through spell table and I'll play against, you know, three other random people and I'll get maybe two games in in three hours. But I will 
I will leave both of those games feeling like I had fun, win or lose. I will leave both those games feeling like I did powerful things. I will leave not tilted in any way, shape, or form, whereas I could log into Arena, play one game, and through be it user interface or whatever it is or anything else, or the fact that I can't really interact with my opponent, by the end of it, I could sit there and be like, well, that sucked. I don't want to play this anymore and just log straight out, right? Because it's a video game and that's what we do. We get salt, we, we, you know, we salt quit. I don't get that playing in person, even if it's virtually. That's kind yeah. of a, that's a weird thing about it. And that's something that I, I want back in the game in a lot of different ways. And I think that's one of the reasons why I haven't opened up the arena client as much as I, as, as much as I usually do. Yeah. I, I definitely think you, you do need some hangs, right? Like you have to like, luckily through up for us, we have like the Sogoi discord, which I, I, is actually open to the public now. So like, you can definitely join the Sogoi discord, but the, like, you can't definitely hang not a plug. <laughs> yeah. No, we need total. Um, not, that's a total plug. Total plugs for the Sogoid Discord. So yeah, you can hang out with me and Sean playing uh, Genshin Impact. Uh, we usually do that, you know, midday or so. <laughs> uh, but the other thing is, is like, you know, if, if you don't have people to hang out with, it, it is it does get kind of lonely, right? We talked about, like, when I won my Mythic Invitational qualifier, right? It was like me sitting in a room, and it was like, at the end of it, I was like, yay. But if that was a Grand Prix, like, I actually, when I top-aided top Denver, Right, we, like a lot of the Sugoi team was there. It was awesome, right? Yeah, we got to like, yeah, I literally watched you do it. It was awesome. Yeah, we got to like, we got to cheer, we got to hang out, we got to like, you know, uh, like high taken. five, got our pictures taken. Like it was sweet, right? And like, like that was that was like a world of difference. And you know, and even if it's not like you know something as incredible as that, you know, being able to commiserate with your friends when they when they're doing bad at a Grand Prix, even. Um, as much as I, I hate bad beat stories and I, I think they're terrible, <laughs> at least being able to talk to your friends after a God, while. If I like, get an in-person bad beat story right now, that'd be <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> Dude, I, I am, I am a huge, I don't know, advocate of telling your, your friend that it's like, dude, bad beat stories only bring people down. Yeah. Only brings the mood down. Yeah. I know that they taught there was only one card left of their deck that could kill you and they see like, see yeah, that man. that I will listen to it all the time as long as the person who's telling the bad beat story is like is like you know stuff happens kind of thing. It's like all right, let me tell you what happened. Yeah. One deck, one card off the top of the deck, and it beats me. How nuts is that? And you'd be like, That's so nuts. And be like, I know I was so unlucky, as opposed to being like that person didn't deserve to win. I should be in yep. top eight. Go I play perfectly every turn of the game. I mean, if, that's that if is. If luck wasn't involved, right? I win every time. Because uh. say y'all y'all are winning, right? Both of you are winning. I come in and I'm like, Ugh, my my bad beat is so bad. Da, da, da. It's like I just like brought your your like your mood down. You know, you go to your next match and you're like, ah, oh, man, Eric had a terrible story and it made me feel bad. You know. And like, yeah. instead of going in your in your next match, going like, "All right, I'm crushing, I'm doing great," you know, I feel great. You know, it's like, eh, it's, like state of mind is pretty big. Yeah, but. for sure. It's uh, it's funny because we literally talked about this in our Discord today. Or it's like someone mentioned how much they miss hanging out with people. I was like, "Boy, I can't wait for our next Swagoy hang at a GP." Like that's like the <laughs> yeah. year 2022 when Grand Prix come back or something. I don't that's know. that's what I'm looking forward to as well. The new uh, young adult novel by Conan Hawk Eric Hawkins, uh, which is entitled Eric and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Feels Bad Salt Player. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what it's going to be on that one. And I know that, like, that's that's the thing I think we miss the most about this is is having that kind of in-person human interaction. But the, when we can't have that, we still have great discussion. We can have great dis discussion about whatever formats you're playing, about the game itself, and that's what you're always going to find here at Friends and Magic, which is why we hope that you, the listener, will go ahead and whatever podcast medium you are listening to us on, you're going to give us a favorite, give us a like, leave us a review if you'd like to, whether it's just five stars, because of course this is a five-star podcast, but whether or not you want to leave us an actual verbal review as well, we always really appreciate that. You can learn more about our team, Swagoi, at swagoi.com, swagoi.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Swagoi Gaming. You can learn about 
all of our different esports teams, which includes Valorant, Hearthstone, and Magic the Gathering. And who knows? Maybe there's more things in the future, like perhaps, I don't know, Genshin Impact, Minecraft. Who knows where the world <laughs> takes us after that, right? But the one thing I do want to know is what you're going to be doing to get better at the game this week and where people can find you doing it. Sean, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, you can find me on Twitter slash Mr. Tolshot? Question, question mark? Yeah, that kind of thing? You are, I would say just at something. Let's go with that. Boy, you have been out of the game for a while. I forget how Twitter works. I know twitch.tv slash Mr. Toolshed, and then Twitter must be at Mr. Toolshed. And now you can join our Discord. I guess you would need to ask one of us for a link, I think. But, yeah, uh, hit him up on at Mr. Tools Shed, anything else? Of course, yeah. if, if you want access to the Discord as well, you can always find it on our website, but always, always, always you can find us on our Twitter at Swigoy Gaming as well. But Sean, when people are finding you at twitch.tv slash Mr. Toolshed or at Mr. Toolshed, what, what else are you going to be doing to get better at the game? This week, I have the MIQ, or gosh, not an MIQ. And sit this one out. You're just, you're done. Yeah, really, really <laughs> These 9 o'clock bedtimes really tough on me, apparently. The arena opened this weekend. I will be talking to our teammates, Eric, Caroline, Nick, everyone else, about what decks to play this weekend. Could try to get some reps in. Good God, I would really like to do well this weekend. Hopefully I get to play. If not, I'll be sad and waking up at 5 a.m. going to work. So uh, hopefully getting to play that, and I'm going to try to get as many reps in as I can before Saturday. And Conan Hawk, how about you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Conan Hawk. You can also find me Monday through Friday on twitch.tv slash Conan Hawk. While I'm there, I'll be grinding to the top of ladder. So last week I put out a Twitter post that basically said I'm taking a break from magic. And what I discovered during my break was that I need goals and I need lofty goals. I'm a person that needs to chase rabbits, uh, whether or not those rabbits are attainable. So what my, my goal is going to be is to hit number one on ladder and is you know as often as possible i know that's not doable in the next three days but i will be i will be chasing that and what that also does is set me up nicely for testing for this weekend like we we talked about the arena open is this weekend so hopefully on my run i'll find a deck that i that i, I can you know believe in and bring it for the uh for the arena open so check me out there i'm looking forward to your political ads for whatever deck that you land on that's just like you know gruel aggro a deck to believe in. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's going to be. You know? Believe in the cleave. But, you know, perhaps what you should do is pick a Jeskai deck, because that way it's red, white, and blue, and that's the way it's patriotic that way. So it's just Jeskai Control, mm. a deck to believe in. Boros, because... I don't know. Japan's great. I don't. I don't know how to. I don't, I don't know how to word that. Yeah, we'll work. We'll work on the marketing ploy for that one. That's what we'll do. <laughs> well, whatever it is that you are going to be doing in the world of magic, or however you are consuming the content of Magic: The Gathering, we always want to hear from you at Swagoy Gaming at uh, on Twitter at Swagoy Gaming or on our website swagoi.com. Of course, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Brasky1142 or at twitch.tv slash Brasky1142. You can always find me doing some fun different things on Twitter. Occasionally, I'm going to get back onto the Twitch. I I'm actually planning at some point to do uh, a kind of friends spell table commander game, but broadcast it on Twitch for some fun stuff. There might be some, be some fun shenanigans to be had that way Maybe as well. a podcast pod of commander? Get out of here. Look at that. Wow. I'd have to get a commander deck. That's yeah. Well, I think yeah, I, we, we there are ways to provide you with the decks that you need, sir. We can send I, them I think things. Songline, or if you build it, they will, <laughs> they will play commander. It's true. Yeah. Line. Yeah. It's yeah. It, in the baseball version is Field of Dreams, but the Magic version is Field of the Dead, and it is Halloween, so I think that actually works yeah. out pretty well. Oh, uh, we should also let people know that although she is not here, uh, you can catch the Mighty Linguini. On Twitter at Mighty Linguini, Instagram at The Mighty Linguini, and Twitch, twitch.tv slash The Mighty Linguini. Linguini. Uh, she always streams on Wednesdays but and always has a magic guest, but doesn't always play magic. There's the Swagoy Tober that, that she is doing, which is almost over, but hopefully this podcast is up before Halloween. And I think the idea was to have a bunch of us on. 
Yeah, I think we're going to try to. Right now, the plan is among us, but who knows? Maybe we end up with more than ten people. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. And you can bet that uh, even though Sugoitober might be ending, there's still going to be plenty other events that might happen over the next month or so that involve some Swagoi people as well. Whether it's not for charity or other things as well, we'll keep you posted of what those might be. And uh, the only way you're going to know more information is, of course, to stay tuned to this podcast, which of course is Friends of Magic, and you're our friends for listening to us. And we are always appreciative of having you here. So we'll see you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.